Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 292, recorded live at South Start, I go on a recruitment journey with Emma Pudney as she details how she reframed and realigned her personal goals to match her professional goals in order to secure her dream job. Emma explains the detailed and at times confronting steps that she very consciously took to become the Chief Technology Officer at Koala. This new job meets the specific requirements she developed in order to ensure her next executive tech role was the best possible fit for both herself and the company she works for. Emma shares her approach along with tips for others looking to successfully navigate their own recruitment journey. This is Emma's version of Be The Drop. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. Emma, thank you so much for joining us for our next episode of Be The Drop, which we're recording live at South Start here at the Wine Centre. I'm very, very excited. I've been having an amazing day talking to lots of people, presented earlier on, and yeah, I'm super psyched. Yeah, and it was interesting. I I was reading your bio and trying to get my head around about space rack and technology, and you said, no, I've got something different from you, and I'm really excited about what you're going to share with us and your recent journey experience. So get us started. Give us a little teaser of what you've been going through. Um, so yeah, like uh, recently I went through the experience of, of changing roles and seeking a new, a new job and you know, I've been really lucky over my career that my next role, my next job has just sort of fallen in front of me most of the time. Uh, and you know, I've worked for three big organ- or three organisations and lots of career progression. And then now, like over the last year, I was like, I'm going to move into a new role. I want a new challenge. And it was the first time I kind of went to market to look for that, and I found it. You know, not only that, but I went as an executive, and it was just something that was super foreign. Um, lots of com- very uncomfortable, confronting. I wasn't used to getting rejection, and you know, it was a, it, it was a process that really drove me through a lot of self reflection, and I learned a lot about myself and the industry. And and yeah, I'd love to share some elements of that story. Oh, fantastic! And it and it's interesting because we were saying before, you know, there is the big resignation conversation and this the impact of COVID and the last few years and people working from home and going through this self-reflection process. I think we're seeing more of that. So certainly what you're talking about is very topical mm-hmm. uh, because you've been through that experience and learned some things, uh, you know, and got some tips to share with us. Apparently some of them are controversial, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to hearing that. But so that first bit, you went through a lot of self-reflection. So what was that part of the process? Yeah, so, you know, I, I certainly had enjoyed and experienced a lot of growth in my previous organisation, but I kind of reached a point where I wasn't getting enjoyment out of it. Like the the role, the, the, the environment for me and what I valued was... Um, 
not giving me the energy I needed. So what I did was I actually, and it was over a Christmas break, so I gave myself space and time to think about this rather than, you know, making any knee-jerk reaction kind of, hey, I just need a new role and I'll take whatever comes up. And I sat down and I actually went, okay, I'm going to write out my thoughts. I'm going to be very deliberate and when you put things on paper, it forces your mind to structure the way that it, that, that, that it works. And so what I ended up doing was creating this document which was um, had three main categories. The first was what am I seeking in an organisation? What am I looking for in that? The second was what am I looking for in a role? And then the final one was what am I looking for in a culture and the people that I'm working with? And, you know, we can dive into each of those three areas and what they meant to me. But what it gave me was a, a way of steering myself and my values. So, you know, there's some very tempting things that can come up. You know, there's a lot of people tapping people on shoulders and offering amazing salary packages and, and all this sort of thing. But if it doesn't truly align with the direction you want to take yourself, then even if you take that role, you see it all the time. 12 months, 18 months, two years later, you're looking for your next job and you're not getting that fulfillment. So I really wanted to nail that fulfillment factor and that was my process. I kind of created this, this document. Mm. And it, it's interesting because we spend a lot of time at work. So I think that fulfillment piece that you're talking about and often people will you know, talk about salary as a decision maker, but is that going to provide fulfillment and this holistic day-to-day, do the job. <laughs> and it's so, you, if you look at it from a reverse perspective, you can absolutely see that salary doesn't do that because as a leader, I've hired lots of people. I've had people leave my team. I've had, you know, I've done the save scenario where you, you know, you someone says, oh, I'm going to such and such and they give me this much money and you go in and you counter the offer and inevitably those people still leave within six to 12 months because you're not changing anything by giving them more money unless it's a very specific scenario where it's like, you know, I can't afford to pay my bills and I need it to support my family, which isn't that common in the tech, <laughs> you know, the, the tech space, then that money really isn't going to be what's driving their real reason for leaving or moving or joining. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, it is super duper tempting. I mean, I was approached by top four consulting firms and all of that sort of thing and the prestige and idea associated with working for these amazing companies that have these like prestigious brands and lots of cash and I'm like, oh, that's very tempting. But again, I, I took myself back to what were those key values that I had written down and identified as what is will make me happy and fulfilled. And and that's, you know, essentially how I got to be where I am now at Koala. So you came up with, in that document, you said three, you've got three, the organisation, your role, and then culture. Yeah. Like, how did you come up with those three? And then what are the elements you put in that to weight, weight it? Like, what yeah. do you actually measure, record? How do you yeah, fulfill so, that document? Well, that's it. Well, if people, it, when I started, I decided, look, I think I might look for a new role. I chatted to a few people, and this is going to be one of the things I sort of suggest later on in Lessons Learned, but I chatted to a few people, and they'd say, oh, what are you looking for? That's a very open-ended question, and I want to be able to save everybody some time and be able to go, this is what I'm looking for. And it's a bit like speed dating. Here's my resume of speed dating. Is this what you do at your company? Can we? So, um, you know, and what happened was it was, again, I just started putting random thoughts down of the things that I wanted or need when, or thought of when people asked me that question. And then it's, as I said, putting things on paper structures it. And I found that they fell into those three categories 
organization, role and, and um, culture. And to give you some examples of what, you know, how my thought process went for that is like, you look at the things that you enjoy and you also look at the things that maybe you don't enjoy so much and they both fulfill part of those, those requirements. So upon that self-reflection, I was like, you know, I love tech and I love emerging tech and new tech. And I, I knew that I didn't want to join an organization where it was like, let's do a big transformation so that we can move to the cloud. I mean, cloud is something I've been doing for the last 10, 15 years. So I want stuff that's m leveraging modern technology, IoT, data, IR, AI, you know, all of those more sort of modern technology. So that sort of fell into, okay, the organization that I go for, I want to have that stream of, of that modern touch, right? And then I had things like I really wanted, and this, is, this was really important for me, a purpose. I'd worked for organizations where I really enjoyed what I did, but essentially what I was doing was creating a return for the shareholder. And, you know, when maybe the enjoyment of what you're doing then reduces a little bit, what's left? There's nothing left. Or if you go through a bit, a bit of a tough time, you know, how do you get yourself to get up in the morning and, and push through and still be the best you? And so... For me, it was really important to find an organization that had a purpose. And a purpose that ideally, and this was sort of written in my document, ideally I'm really passionate about sustainability. So if it could align with sustainability, that would be like dream job. But regardless, if there's some good for, the, for humanity, for animals, the planet, you know, some good somewhere, that, that gives you a purpose. So that's what I sort of had in my organization. It was like I wanted a real purpose and I wanted it to be emerging technologies. And that really helps you sort of narrow things things down there's this resume piece and i find resumes and cvs so clunky mm. now i'm almost like what's the place for that yeah. like what you're talking about sounds so much more i think that makes more sense yeah where did your resume sit in that process piece well it did, actually I, I usually sent both of these things at the same time because they'd sit there and go i'd say i had this document they go yes can we see that oh you probably should send us your resume too but my resume pretty much reflects linkedin anyway so yeah it, you know, we've kind of got our resumes already out there in LinkedIn. One of the things I did do um, was when I first started the process, I realised that although my role and everything I had at Rackspace um, was a CTO position and um, was a regional role and everything, when you read my LinkedIn profile, I was getting very much pigeonholed into corporate CTO. And what I wanted to do, one of these key things, like, you know, if you looked at my values and my document, you know, sure, some corporates might fall in there, but ultimately I was looking for a scale-up or start-up start or scale-up, right? And so I had to spend some time, and I got this feedback, actually, from, you know, do a little call-out, the guys that think, think and grow. Um, they, um, you know, gave feedback of, like, you know, I'm reading your profile, and this is how I would, how I review, you know, view you if you want to get you know, more into that startup scale-up space than, you know, get rid of these bits, focus a little bit more on these activities that you've done and that sort of thing. So I think the LinkedIn profile is really important when it comes to this sort of thing because recruiters are looking at that, like, before they're getting the chance to look at your resume. Um, but, like, funny side story and something pretty unique that I did that worked didn't work, if this makes any sense. There was this one organisation that I really had a massive crush on and um, I still love them and I met the founders and everything but the way that I got to the point of meeting the founders and these are like a unicorn there's not that many of them I suppose um, I created a video and I asked people who were um, had worked with me in the past and maybe didn't work with me anymore but had worked with me in the past to do a 20 second clip of why is Emma amazing and why would you want to work with her again 
And so I put together this video of like 30 seconds at me at the front going, hey, I'd really love to meet you because this is the type of organization and we align in values and this is what I think I can bring. And then um, had these like 20 second clips of people saying, Emma's amazeballs, but this is why. And all this sort of thing. And, you know, I built a bit of humor in there and everything. And it got me right in the door. Like they were like, I've never seen anyone do anything like that before. It was really um, amusing and interesting and I got to meet you know it didn't work out at the time ironically just after I finished um, or just after I got my role now I got um, tapped on the shoulder by them but <laughs> I love where I am now so that, that but um, you know it, it got me and it built those relationships and that's another thing that this whole experience really drives is even though you may not be successful in all the roles you try every single interview is a networking opportunity I have met some amazing people. My now mentor is someone who interviewed me at Atlassian. Like, so it's, it's, it's really a great opportunity to extend your network and meet some amazing people. So, mm. yeah. I, I certainly think it is in the way you've approached it, which I don't think is the stereotypical approach to job hunt way. You know, you're very much, I think sometimes we go through job hunt and go, oh, you know, what it, like you're going I'm I'm going to add this value this is what I'm going to bring this is what I can deliver and I want this to be mutually beneficial where I think sometimes it's a bit like a bit more one way mm. sometimes and but I think that's part of the problem right so what I also found like some very sort of experimental scientifically minded individual is that whenever I desperately wanted a role I thought it was really cool or something I underperformed in the interview process and whenever I was like I'm doing this more for the experience and I'm, you know, there's something there maybe, but I'm not that excited by it. I did really well in the process. And then like, you know, cause I was more laid back, more not wholeheartedly desperate coming, maybe not coming across it. And I think that, you know, people, they get really nervous about the interview process, right? And they're like, and you know, this is my life. This could be how I spend, you know, this is the next part for me and I'm so, and that can stop you being you. Mm. And when you don't care that much or, or, or aren't that addicted or what's the right way of saying this? Not feeling as desperate, maybe? Yeah, when you're not feeling as bought in and you're a little bit more removed from it, you can be more you. And that's who they're looking for. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, and I think as well, like, we all deserve to have our dream jobs. And you, it's, I had the luxury of having time and... Um, you know, not under any financial or work pressure to find something quickly. And that's not the same for everybody. But I really think a lot of people settle. And the thing is, it's just like there's always, there's, there's different people are different and there's a partner out there for everyone or whatever you want to say. There's an organisation out there for you and you just have to be patient. And that's not necessarily in everyone's nature. It certainly wasn't in mine. Um, and, you know, I beat myself up a lot and and was you know, uh, admittedly quite stressed during a lot of the process because I wanted to get a job and it didn't happen and then, you know, then I'd be down on myself and go, oh, I thought I had so much value to bring. Yeah. And then you get a no and I got a, like, there's a little topic in there I'd love to dig into around, like, the startup community in Australia and how, how much I've learned about that community and and what that breeds as a as a sort of result as well. But yeah, it, it's, it's, I think people just need to realize that 
the employer needs someone just as much as you need a job. Yeah, and it needs to be that mutual fit to yeah. make it really work. So you've you just touched on a couple of things, the startup community and rejection. Yeah. So talk, talk to us first about that rejection piece. And but I thought I had so much value to bring, yeah. which clearly you do, but rejection can make us question that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and it was particularly like this, I don't know if this comes across as that, but like arrogant, but during my career, I'd had such positive feedback. And as I said, every job was just kind of there when I needed it. So I never had to go job hunting. And so whether you'd say I, I was probably a little cocky to think, you know what, anybody, like, you know, I shouldn't have, it shouldn't be difficult for me to find a job. And arguably, if I had, didn't have these, the, the, the values that I had and I didn't go for exactly what I wanted, I probably, I could have got a job very quickly, but it wouldn't have been, the fulfillment wouldn't have been there. Mm. And, but even so, having the rejection and having, um, you know, waiting, waiting for someone to get back to you, where you're, you're basically, it's your life and you're sitting there going, they said they'd get back to me in the next couple of days and I haven't heard from them. And, you, you know, it, it's a very emotional process. And it, it took a while for me to go, no, Emma, it's about finding the right one. Mm. When it's the right one, it'll, it'll be absolutely fine. And if this hasn't worked out at this, situ at this time and you've been, it's not they're rejecting you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your skills and whatever for what they have for their role. It's not personal. It's not, you know, almost all the feedback was, you know, great cultural alignment and lots of great energy and we love your leadership skills. But mm. you're not a software and, you, you know, you haven't come up to speed. You, you haven't had your career in, like, software development or you haven't had your career in product management. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I did learn about. Like, if you think about the startup world in Australia... 98% of venture-backed startups are product businesses, right? And it's all product. And I came from services. So first of all, I'm already on a bit of a back foot there because I don't have that software development slash product management background. And then a lot of the founders and the people who are kicking off these organisations are also first-time founders. So they don't have 20 years of leadership experience seeing how, you know, things like leadership and team management and all those things are transferable skills. So they're also not necessarily going to be in a big risk, in a risk mindset to take that risk mm. and, and hire someone who might be a really great fit or leader or whatever it might be, but doesn't have that specific narrow niche skill set they're looking for. So you've got, I come from a different industry, I don't have that niche skill set that they're looking for. And then you add in this final one, which I found frustrating and maybe I, I do martial arts and stuff, may have punched the punching bag a little bit over, <laughs> was they, I, the number of times I heard, we're looking for someone who's already grown from a startup to a scale up and scaled a team of engineers from five to 50 in mm. software development. And I go to myself, how many people in Australia have actually done that from a CTO perspective? It could be a dozen, you know, maybe a little bit more women talking about it. And how many of those are women? Probably one or two. So when you look at, I want someone who's done it before, there's never going to be a whole heap of females that can get those roles because the females haven't done it before because the people who have done it before are typically white men. Um, and so it's like this self-fulfilling, like cascading prophecy of, 
you know, no one's out there willing to take that little bit of a leap or risk or jump of faith, leap of faith to, to, to take those other skills. And, you know, they're first time founders, they're in the product space and they're looking for someone who's done it before. That's a really small pool of people to be looking for. Mm. So I found that, that very frustrating because, you know, I'm sitting there feeling that I'm oozing capability and value and yet time and time again getting told, nah, you know what, you're not, you're not what the startup community is looking for. You're great, but you're not what the startup community is looking for. So I found that, you know, it, took a, it, it, just, it, it was just trying over and over and over again, even knowing that probably they're not going to go for it. I'll still have the conversation, have the interview. It's a new person that I can network with. It, it adds um, some value in some way until eventually I found a, a, an organisation that is looking to take that leap, is looking for the vision that I can create, is looking for the um, purpose that I have behind all of that, which was which was great when I found it. Yeah. And, you know, you've certainly put in, put in the work to get there. And I think that point about these barriers looking for things that don't exist, particularly for, for women, as you're saying, you know, how do we break that cycle? Yeah. You know, you need to find those people that are willing to take the risk. So I'm very glad that you did. <laughs> well, you know, what's really interesting with it as well is it was one of the other learnings that I had was it taught me a hell of a lot more empathy for the person being interviewed. So I've gone through my whole career pretty much not having any interviews. I did I'd only ever done one interview and that was the job I got at Rackspace. Like that was my entire life. But I'd interviewed hundreds of people. And I, I've never been rude or um, disrespectful for the process. But, you know, if I'd said to someone, hey, um, we'll get back to you by the end of the week, and it's stretched into Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week, you know, I've, I'm sorry, I was busy kind of, kind of thing. But now being in that position, I've kind of gone, hell, I'm sitting there like it's getting to Friday, you know, 4.55, and I'm like, come on, where's the mention? When are they getting back to me? This is yeah. my, you know, my dream job or my career. Um, I think I learned a lot more empathy for the candidate through mm. that process, and I have changed and the way that I um, work with candidates now to be more empathetic to how they might feel in, in that situation and so forth. So it, 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 it certainly taught me as a leader as well it helped me grow as a leader in my style and that sort of thing with with hiring so mm. and you said you've got so that you know is that those learning tips was there any other tips you know if we bring this together to, that you would share to finish us out what are the top tips the learnings yeah. that you've got from this experience well i think one especially when we we're talking about the rejection and whatever is you need to be able to create a little bit of distance because if you get too emotionally attached to a particular role, um, you're basically going through a breakup when you get the rejection piece, right? And that can be emotionally tolling. I'm not sure that's the right word. But it takes a toll on your emotions, let's say it that way. Yeah. Um, so I think not falling in love with anything too soon um, is a good step. I think seeing it as a networking opportunity is, a, is important, but also using your network. So I reached out to people who I had worked for me and people I'd worked for. I looked at people who were in, um, who, you know, senior people within um, Rackspace who'd moved on to other organisations, you know, like someone I worked very closely with is now the CEO of Stack Overflow and we had a chat and he gave me some coaching and advice and, you know, then there were others, you know, globally and locally that I was able to leverage my network for to get connections and so forth. So leverage your network to really help that process. We mentioned LinkedIn. Make sure that that's presenting 
what you want to get. Not necessarily what you're doing right now. Call out the bits of what you're looking for and what you want to get. So I, I, I learned about being um, uh, respectful in the process and so forth. But that's more from the, the leader side of things. And then I think um, the last one is really like, you know how I spoke about that document being your compass? Stay true to that compass. And you, it may suck and you may get offered things that look really good but don't align and you've got to kind of just stay true because the right job is out there and you deserve to be, ha deserve to be happy. And yeah, it's, it's the harder decision to make, but ultimately in the end, it's, it's the right decision to make. Yeah, it's that sit in the uncomfortable for that bit longer for the long-term yeah. return. Yeah, and I mean, like, to sort of round things out, like if you sort of finish the journey, Emma's gone looking for a job for 12 months, and then, you know, if you look at, say, the document I explained, then you've got, like, Koala for me, it's like they are massive on creating sustainable practices, sustainable materials. So they had that real purpose alignment that I had. They're a B Corp. They've donated millions of dollars to conservation and stuff. You know, that just resonated from a purpose perspective so strongly with me. They're e-commerce and they're looking at things like, you know, there's the future of connected products. Think of your furniture and connected products. There's manufacturing and smart manufacturing. There's so many cool emerging tech. So that, you know, ticked those boxes for me and I was able to go, yes, that's, that's alignment there. In terms of a role, they were, you know, the CEO and the, the leadership team because I met pretty much everyone on there. You know, they were willing to take that leap and go, yep, this is, you know, we take on Emma for the leadership, the vision and so forth. But... Um, even if she doesn't have a software engineering background, but I get to lead software engineering team, product team, UX team, IT team. So it's, I get to, you know, that was the role that I wanted, right, to build out these teams. And then finally, on a culture perspective, you know, they've got a very, like you've seen, I don't know if you've seen their marketing, but they've got a very cheeky feel to them. And that's very much how they like to be internally. And But it's also a very respective culture. It's a very working flexibility, which is important to me. I'm a mum of two kids, I, I need that and want that. Flexible working um, capabilities and stuff. So that, you know, all of those things, you know, it took a year and a bit, but I found all the things that were on my list. And now I'm able to kind of like feel that that's a fulfilling role for me and the direction that I want to go. So, you know, the happy ending <laughs> <laughs> of the story. Well. Thank you for sharing in such a detailed, insightful way that journey because there are so many valuable, you know, even if people just pick some of those bits from what you've learnt and been through. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.